0: is Orlando going to run the table are they going to be undefeated are they going to be a 10-0 at the end of the regular season so my answer simply is yes I'm with you there it's just really hard to imagine this team losing right now.
1: Welcome back to another phenomenal episode of the Two Point Podcast. We're excited. We're going to have some fun. We got a lot of good stuff to talk about. We're previewing week seven, and I'm excited to do it. As always, it's hosted by myself, Nick Faber, and my boy, John Valencia. What's going on, John?
0: What's going on, Nick? Happy to be here as always. Got a lot to talk about. Johnny Manziel in Memphis. Um, We talked about it a couple weeks ago, and now it comes to fruition. Got some March Madness going on as well. So I'm kind of looking back and forth between between you and my TV, but let's get it going.
1: I like it. I like it. It is madness. It is March, but it's madness over here because it's the AAF. We have a good show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. Mine is at Nick Faber, NFL. John's is at John Valencia BF make sure you follow us comment with any questions and let's get the show rolling
0: all right so as I said John Manziel to Memphis and this is something we talked about on the show I think uh two or three episodes ago um yeah uh, during Saturday I think it was during the, the night game it came that uh the news broke that John Manziel was headed to Memphis after San Antonio they didn't want to claim him so then Manziel went to waivers and Memphis having the worst record they claimed him so I kind of feel bad for Brandon Silvers in this situation because he's a guy you and I were waiting on to get an opportunity. He played well last week. I think he had a mistake or two, but, I mean, that's kind of expected. But I thought he played really well. I think he gets to start this week. I'm not sure how soon it'll be until we see Manziel. I, I, I have a feeling he's going to play this week, maybe towards the end of the game. I don't think Memphis will really be in it this week, so I think he'll get some like garbage time snaps. But um, I just really hope this doesn't backfire for the league. I hope Manziel takes it serious. I hope... I mean, I would love to see him play well. He, he, obviously, in college, he had yeah, that it factor. So, we'll see if that's still there. But Nick, what are your thoughts on this?
1: Man, I fucking hate Johnny Manziel. I'm not even gonna lie. I just hate him. I he, like, like these people. Uh, there, there's people. There's play, players out there that are, you know. Arrested, taken to court, and then later realized that they didn't even do anything wrong, and yet they don't even get a second chance. Johnny Manziel's on his third chance, kicked out of the CFL, couldn't hang in the NFL. I mean, he's just a bad apple. And really what it seems like is he's just a cancer who spreads and i don't want them spreading the aaf like they're doing so much something we're going to talk about is how dallas picked up on their uh, they picked up their championship game cbs picked up two more games like the aaf is doing nothing but moving upwards and johnny menzel is going to bring them down luckily for him he's going to memphis where they don't have anything to lose like i do love brandon silvers it doesn't look like Mettenberger's coming back anytime soon hackenberg's definitely not coming back anytime soon so it, but it, and even like you said he might get some playing time today but Truly, how long will it be until Manziel's even starting? I mean, the fact of the matter is Memphis isn't in the playoff hunt anymore, and I get that, so what's the harm in letting him start? But Silvers has been there since the beginning. Why would you sit there and sit him for Johnny Manziel, who you just picked up, just to get ratings? I don't like it. It's a gimmick, and I'm just not for gimmicks in this league, so I'm not a fan of it.
0: Yeah, I totally feel it. Um, I was kind of speed on it. I like the, um, the popularity or the audience that they might draw, um. Hopefully, we see a spike in TV ratings or whatnot. But even yeah, that yeah, audience up, um, but like
1: even that audience isn't even like in it to watch the AAF. It's not even the audience that that the AAF wants to bring because the, what they're gonna do is sit there bash Johnny Manziel and then bash any drop, you know, any fumble, any missed block or anything like that because yeah. that's all they want to do. So it's it's not even bringing the right fans, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, you, you kind of swayed me a little bit on it. I, I'm totally with you. Um, I did say I, love, I would like to see him play well, but just because I think he has the potential to be kind of that marquee player. But, of course, like going back on all the chances you said he's been given, because I was going to argue with you and be like, well, isn't the AAF the League of second chances? But this is probably like his fourth or fifth chance at this point. <laughs> yeah. um, moving on. So last week we talked about Orlando, Apollos, and if they're going to run the table undefeated. And we both, as you heard in the intro, we're both, oh, yeah, 100% if they're going undefeated, but – I was fortunate to have it. The, my, my team, the Arizona Hotshots. So I didn't even pick to upset them. I, I, I'm shaming myself now. But the Hotshots get it done. What were your biggest takeaways in this game? Man?
1: I mean, it was it was shocking, right? So so I definitely definitely didn't see it coming. It, you would have asked me three weeks ago, I would have said it would have there would have been a chance. You asked me last week. I said no chance at all for Arizona. Some key components, though, like the Apollos were without their top two defenders, their leader, their top two leaders in sacks and quarterback hits and quarterback hurries, were both out. Uh, but 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 I'm not gonna sit here and make excuses for Orlando. They lost the game, and Arizona played phenomenally, phenomenally, like literally out of their keisters. Their their defense pressured Gilbert all day. All day gave him no time. He looked flustered. He threw his first interception of the year. He he should have thrown four interceptions. There were four interceptable passes that went either through the defender's hands or just hit him in the chest and bounced away. Like, Gilbert was flustered. They even had a chance to win the game at the very end, and Gilbert fumbled the ball. Like, it was... Not what I expected. It's definitely no time to panic if you're an Orlando fan. It's all right. It happens every any given Saturday or Sunday in football. But if you're the Arizona fans, you know, you can start feeling hope again. As it seemed like they were pretty much out, a bug squashed under a shoe last week. They've now regained some momentum. They ate their spinach. They got their muscles. And they came playing. So it was fun. But, I mean, taken away from the game, uh, the Apollos were good. They need their full defense to be as strong as they have been. They've been. Everyone loves the you know focus on Gilbert, but their their defense has been the true hero, the unsung hero of the team. And without their top two defenders, it was tough for them. I loved Arizona, though they showed spunk. Uh, we finally got to see that moxie that we talked about four weeks ago so, uh, from Wolford. So that was good. Um, but what about you, John?
0: Yeah, I was just really happy to see a complete game from them because I've been calling for that for weeks. Uh, just saying how bad they've been in the first half, but we finally saw them put together a complete game, a clean game. Walford played really good. Um, I forget if he had, a I think he had an interception or not. Or not. But um, overall, they just played a clean game. The defense made some stops, and going against Orlando, top offense in the league, I thought it could get kind of kind of ugly for Arizona. But they they uh, played stout on both sides of the ball, and I was finally, I was so happy to see them finally play a complete game because we saw what they were capable of in the early weeks of the season, and I think they kind of are getting back on that track. And they're picking up some some big momentum heading into this playoffs, this uh, uh, late season stretch as they're going for a playoff bid in the Western Division. Um, but I, for a question for you, Nick. Is this a, a bigger win for the Hot Shots or th- is this a bigger loss for the Apollos?
1: So real quick before I answer that, I do want to jump on one thing you said. You, you said you're excited to see them play a full game, which is exactly what we alluded to last week. Let's, let us not forget. We literally said verbatim, both of us agreed on it, that they had to start strong. They had to start fast. They could not find themselves in a hole, and that's exactly what they did. So kudos to them for that. Like you said, they played a full game from beginning to end, not just fourth quarter. So that was good to see. Uh, bigger win for Arizona, bigger loss for Orlando. Definitely bigger win for Arizona. Like like that was game. That was season saving victory right there. Literally a season saving. Had you lost that game, I mean, you may have statistically or uh been in it still but you wouldn't have been you'd have been out it would have been over for you two and four you'd have been looking for next year but they won they saved their season they're still alive in the in the tight-knit you know uh west conference um orlando they lost but again even if they lose out like even if they lose out memphis would have to win out just to knock them out of the playoffs there's no way they're out of the playoffs Orlando losing was just uh it it was good. You never want to go undefeated, I promise you. So it was good for them to get a loss and get a you know, a sucker punch in the chin.
0: Right. You never want to go undefeated, just ask the New England Patriots from two thousand and eight, I believe it was. Exactly. Uh one season near perfection. I had to hear it from every Giants fan growing up in New Jersey. <laughs> um but moving on, so you probably have heard that the AAF championship game is being relocated from Las Vegas to um, the I think there really is a cowboys facility in Frisco Texas, and I, that was orchestrated by Jerry Jones, um, obviously the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. Um, at first, what, what was your initial reaction to this, Nick? Like has your reaction changed since you first um, heard the news?
1: So like hearing it, what it did was it, so I had to assume now I haven't done a, as much research on the stadium that it had been moved to. Is it allow? does it allow more people? Is it bigger? Do we know?
0: It's a smaller facility. I believe maximum capacity is up, uh, around 12,000. Smaller facility. Actually, that's
1: not exactly what I thought I was going to hear. So that's kind of weary, but I get why they did it. I mean, there's probably going to be more football fans, more people to actually come to Dallas and watch this game, especially especially if San Antonio decides to end up going to the championship. You know it's going to be sold out there. What it, what it was showing, though, is with CBS picking up the games and getting moved to Dallas, like, it shows that AAF is, is gaining steam. Like, Jerry Jones, we saw – I believe we saw him rep the AAF uh, hat at the Combine. He is now picking up on the championship game. And if you get Mr. Jerry Jones on board, that's a good person to have on board. Very, very good. Like, you're that's not going to want anyone else. Power. That's, <laughs> exactly. Like, he's power. And, and so I like it. I, re- I really like it. I like that CBS is picking up the games. I like that it's moving to Dallas.
0: Uh, it's gonna be fun. What about you, Joe? I'm just I'm I'm, we're, I'm wondering about how many tickets they had sold for the Las Vegas venue because it obviously it must have not been that much. But um, I do feel bad for the fans who already did buy tickets because I mean you know they could have played like a whole week in Vegas, um, just a vacation, and then ended it with the, the championship game for the AF. So just from that perspective, I'm not really on on board with it. At first, I didn't like it either because, obviously, Las Vegas, that's just a big venue. And uh, moving it to Frisco, Texas, I mean, the fans there will probably show up, uh, especially, like you said, if the commanders make it. Um, but uh, I'm really, I'm honestly just not sure totally what to make of it. I love that Jerry Jones is, like you said, he's behind the AAF 100%. So that's that's really good in, in a move that could, uh, to most people, seem kind of like a panic move on the AAF's behalf. But um, overall, I'm happy with it. I, I, I hope the turnout's good. And uh, and another thing with most of these games that I've been seeing, obviously the stadiums aren't aren't near full. And that's something you can kind of tell on TV is like the intensity of the game and the, the more so the fans. You don't really hear that like crowd roar when you watch them play on TV. So um, I think the players deserve something like that. Uh, the fans deserve to be in a, a big atmosphere. So um, Frisco, Texas, I just I just hope the seats fill up. Or fill up is really my biggest takeaway from it
1: that would be big like if if they did get a full so then on tv at least it looks full and like they're condensing it's, it and the amount of people that can actually go to the game but it's not like the af is selling forty thousand tickets to their games but that is true one thing though i did notice too, and i just never even like realized it but the championship game is during the nfl draft weekend it's on the oh. same it's on saturday of the nfl draft like and I get that Saturday, the NFL draft on Saturday isn't huge, but if you can imagine the the football fans buzzing, it, it's not going to be about the AAF championship.
0: Uh-oh. You should have just had it on Sunday when the draft's over and done with.
1: Exactly. So 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 now all the fans are going to be doing nothing but speculating what their NFL teams are going to be doing. The AAF's going to take a back seat. That's something I didn't like. I noticed that when I was researching this question. And next year, moving forward, you, you have to do it – any day, but Thursday, Friday, Saturday of the draft, or even the draft, just the draft weekend, like like with with the buzz is going to be surrounding the draft. Do it the week before or the week after. Give it a, a week, you know, calm down, like something. I don't know. I, I that kind of set with me the wrong way. But yeah, last week was week six, right? It kind of almost went as expected for us. Other than that, Apollo's game that we had already talked about, which was obviously not on the radar. Other than that, John and I predicted the three other games correct. Uh, we saw St. Louis, or St. Louis, my gosh, Salt Lake beat the Me- uh, Memphis Express in the Battle of the 1-4s. and Fours. Uh, Mettenberger was knocked out early in- on the first play, actually, uh, replaced by Brandon Silvers, like we said. Who knows how long we'll be seeing him starting for Memphis. Uh, San Antonio won to stay atop the West, which we both predicted, but they did it in a fashion that we did not foresee Uh, They kind of blew out Atlanta, which is not something we were predicting. But finally, then we saw Birmingham top San Diego, which was a great football game with walk-off heroics when ex-San Diego Charger kicker Nick Novak hits the game-winning field goal as time expired against the San Diego fleet, a game that has now created some quarterback controversy in Birmingham. So John, like we saw all four of these games. Were there any notable points from
0: any of the games that you uh, wanted to discuss here today? I guess for Birmingham, just Luis Perez, he he was on he had a couple bad decisions, his two interceptions, and that second one was just putrid. He just he was getting tackled and just threw it up in into the air. And of course, um, inevitably a San Diego defender came out came down with it. But other than that, I thought he pushed the field down the or pushed the ball down the field really, really well. He made some big time throws. Um, I think over 300 passing yards, three touchdowns. Comes into the comes into the week with zero passing touchdowns in all of his starts. And now he goes out there and uh, puts up two or three, I believe it was. Um, Perez was great. Uh, I really kind of do feel bad for Keith Price, though, because he gets knocked out with like a little injury, slight injury. It was nothing major. But um, you could tell how mad he was on the sideline. He was just super frustrated. Definitely not having a good time. Um, and Birmingham winning with their offense, that's probably not something you have seen. We haven't seen them uh, really in shootouts much this season. Um, But with Washington, he was a stud. I mentioned him on the pod a few weeks back. Um, He's that big-body guy. He gives Perez someone to throw it up to, someone with that catch radius, the long arms. Um, But what's up with their defense? Like, they have just not been themselves the past two or three weeks and this is, this is when they've uh, started hitting that kind of downward spiral. They lost two games, but they get back in the win column this week against San Diego, and it's probably one of the best games we've seen all year so far.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. A few notes. Like, Price being upset on the sideline was extremely visible. And, yes. and, and like, so yeah, I feel bad for him, right? He plays, I believe the, almost the whole first quarter he he gets knocked out, but he, he, was, he looked good. He was scrambling around. Like we saw in, uh, two weeks ago's game, uh, he was throwing on the run, throwing dimes on the run. Like he, he looked good. He looked good. Perez came in and you could tell he had a vengeance and it was like, like people are always like, why would you sit your starting quarterback? It doesn't work trying to light a fire under their butt. Well, sometimes it does, and for Perez it did. Like they benched him. They said you're not our guy anymore. You're not even our guy next week. You are you are full on second string, and that got him mad. And he came back with a full on vengeance, whooped some tail, and he looked. He I mean he threw some bad passes, but he got his he's got his first passing touchdown. How many touchdowns did he even have? He ended up with two or three, I believe.
0: Mm-hmm. Three touchdowns, two interceptions.
1: Three That's touchdowns, two interceptions. He had no touchdowns in the first five weeks of the season. He threw three last game. Like, good for him. Good for him. But one thing about Price being vis- visibly mad on the sideline, it, it just made me think how much I respect Jalen Hurts, who got, right. got benched for Tua and sat there, smiled the whole game, just excited for his team. Price, like, and I'm not saying that Price wasn't excited for his team and want, didn't want to get a win. I'm not calling him a non-team player or anything like that. It's just like when you're a quarterback, it's a little bit different. When you're benched as a quarterback or or just on the sideline in general, you have to keep your, your focus. You have to keep your your game face. And he just looked mad. And it, it just kind of upset me. But from Moving forward, I kind of hope Perez is a starter. Have we had any word? Do we know? Is it Perez all day? Or
0: um, I would assume so. Me but, too. yeah, I haven't seen anything on Twitter or anything yeah. like that. But I would assume it's Perez going into next week.
1: Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Other than that, though, there wasn't much week six. The big one was Orlando losing to Arizona. Uh, The standings kind of stayed the same. We see Orlando, Birmingham atop the east. We see San Antonio uh, atop the west with San Diego and Arizona, both tied at three and three behind them. And Salt Lake, don't count them out. They're two and four, fourth place of the west, but they're just a game behind a playoff spot. So definitely don't count them out. But that was week six.
0: With that, we're going to move into our power rankings, and I will start with number eight. I think this one's kind of obvious. I would probably think they'll stay there the rest of the season, um, especially when you look at the remaining schedule. But the uh, Memphis Express, one in five, uh, pretty much have, it was kind of a race between the Legends and the Express in the early weeks of who the doormat of the AAF was going to be. But clearly, um, I think that's Memphis at this point. It was Matt Berger. I, like we said, I like Silvers, but... I feel like Manziel. He's going to play a big factor, especially in these. what well, We have three or four games left. He's probably going to get some good playing time, especially probably in that last uh, in week nine, week ten. I would expect to see a heavy dose of him. But it's a big, big variable, a big question of how he's going to actually play. But um, overall, I don't, I don't think, I don't see him meditating the Express to another level. I think they pretty much sit at the same uh, level on offense as they have been. And that's yeah, number eight. I'm pretty sure we're going to agree here next.
1: We definitely are. Look, Memphis sucks. They're awful. Um, And even if you bring Johnny Manziel in, they're just going to be worse. Uh, But you, you mentioned their schedule, and I wanted to bring it up so... But even if Manziel starts, poor Johnny Manziel. I actually hope he doesn't start so he doesn't have to go against the schedule. Let's just say that he starts this week. Obviously, he won't, but hypothetically, he does. He would then be facing Birmingham, the second best team in the league, or third. Then Orlando, the best team in the league. Then San Antonio, the second or third best team in the league. Those are the top three teams in the league. He plays, the the Memphis plays the next three weeks. Followed by Atlanta, which is, you know, sure, you get a win. So I have a feeling it's going to be silvers for three weeks as they just get rocked week after week after week. Stay in eighth for the power rankings and let Manziel come in for the 10th week against Atlanta and see what he does. Uh, but Memphis is definitely number eight. I don't even have anything to say again, uh, about them. They're, they're awful.
0: Number seven, so that's what we were saying about Atlanta a, couple, I know. Like, a few weeks ago. And look what, how, how they went out. It's I'm just nice. trying to motivate Memphis now. <laughs> exactly. That's what it's all about. Um, number seven, Atlanta Legends. I still had hope for them. Their offense just, they, they stalled. And Aaron Murray, he didn't look like he had in the in prior weeks, although he did still complete, I believe it was 75 or close to 2% of his passes. Um, but they going up against Orlando last week, I, I had hope for him. I thought they could kind of hang in there. But just seeing them get blown out the way they did, I'm not sorry. I'm sorry, not Orlando, but um, San Antonio, right? That's who they put it, right? San Antonio. Um, I was just really just wanting to see them get blown out like that. I was, I was hoping they would contest and make it a close game and kind of fight, but um, that obviously did not happen. And their defense, while they played good at times, they just they're not creating turnovers. I think only three interceptions total for that team on the season. So, if they, if they want to win games, especially against better teams, they're going to have to make an impact on defense. And that offense is going to have to come together and play full games. Like, we have seen um, Zampezi just didn't have the magic last week for them.
1: Oh, man, keeping it easy. Um, uh, Yeah, so my number seven, I actually got Salt Lake at seven. You can't come out, but Salt, Salt Lake is just not impressive. Like, I want them to be so bad, so bad. Like, I love their team, and I want them to be good. And even in their wins against – Brandon Silvers led Memphis. They were up 19-9, to 9, and it wasn't much of a game. I mean, they got another field goal, I believe, made it 22-9 to 9 to finish, or maybe 25-9, to 9, or they, they added another touchdown. But regardless, like, I, I just, I'm not, I'm not sold on Salt Lake more than I'm sold on Atlanta. I actually think Atlanta, you, you, you square off Atlanta and Salt Lake in a um, c- contest that's in the neutral site. I would say Atlanta would win that game. Uh, I think Aaron Murray got some bad rep for last game. And I'll talk a little bit more about Atlanta soon here in the power rankings. But for my number seven, Salt Lake, Woodrum just has to be a little bit better. He is my fantasy quarterback, so I'm rooting for him. But right now, they're my number seven.
0: My number six, I have San Diego Fleet at three and three. Um, still, above, or, um, still 500 team right now. I kind of, I don't know, I, I like Salt Lake. I have them, of course, higher. But San Diego, they just been all over the map, I feel, this year. Um, of course, in the first couple weeks, their running game was, was carrying them to victory Quan Con- Quan Gardner, throw Watson. And uh, since then, Watson has kind of taken the reins as the future back, which has just been really, really weird as Gardner was looking like the best running back in the league in uh, those first two weeks. But UT um, has been already right a quarterback. Of course, in any Mike Mark Marks scheme, he's going to put up big passing numbers, which he did do last week. But the fleet, they just can't hang on in close games, really. Um, I think I think last week was a game they could have and should have won, um, but that defense, of course, isn't doing any favors for them either. Um, so it would be interesting to see how they finish the year. I don't. They do play Arizona twice, so those would be really two big games um, to determine who that second seed will be in the West. But right now, I have the fleet's uh, at six, at three and three.
1: So my number six is Atlanta. And what I was going to say, like, they were streaking, right? They were two and three. Uh, I had him move. I think I even had a third of my power rankings. I moved him up. I loved him, and I'm still in love with him. I just think like so. So they got blown out by San Antonio, but all intents and purposes, the first drive. um, I'm sorry, what's his name? I I can't remember his name, but fumbles the ball. Who I can't remember. Uh, One of the running backs fumbles the ball. I can't remember right now. Excuse me. I can't remember. Someone, one of the the guys, freaking fumbles the ball, like their own ten yard line. Next play, very next play, first play for San Antonio. Farrow scores. All right, so now, you're, now you've dug a hole. Murray goes. He's driving. They're in the red zone. Interception. San Antonio goes and scores a touchdown. Like, Murray threw three, three, three interceptions, all bad interceptions. One of them ended up being a pick six that kind of sealed the game. But Atlanta was just such a in such a big hole to start the game that the whole game scheme was thrown off. And, and at that point, the blowout was... Maybe not inevitable, but it almost kind of seemed inevitable. It was just San Antonio's day. It happens. I'm not saying that Atlanta is out of it, uh, being two and four, I believe, right, and Birmingham being four and two. That they're still playoff like potential. They just need to start winning. And I think Aaron Murray is the real deal. He had a bad day for him. It's his third start. Like every, every quarterback's had a bad day. Garrett Gilbert just had a bad day. Let's not count out Atlanta yet. They're my number six.
0: That's very fair to say. Um, at five, I saw like Stallions, and they, they won a big game last week. I said if they didn't win last week, I wouldn't pick them to win any more games the rest of the season because every time I would pick them, they would, they would go out and lose. But they're coming off a win, so I did move them up a little bit. Carter Schultz just continues to dominate off the edge for the Stallions. Um, the rest, uh, remaining schedule for them, they face San Antonio twice, so those would be two really big games to kind of determine if they're going to get back into the playoff picture or not. I believe uh, they close at home against San Antonio. But, yeah, like you said, Woodrum, he just has to be better. Um, that offense is obviously hurting a little bit with the loss of Brennan Oliver. Joel Bondo didn't really have a big impact last week like I thought he would. Um, but they, they still get away with the win against an underwhelming Memphis team. But it's all, like, like we've been saying, better football team than their record indicates. But do they have enough like star power to kind of pull them to that next level?
1: Yeah, Buonio, man. Uh, He was my touchdown pick, and he did not produce for me. Uh, We'll get to that a little bit later. Number five for me, though, San Diego Fleet. San Diego Fleet is, I've said it every week, and I'll still say it, they're pretenders. They're not contenders. But if you're going to just keep winning, or at least a little bit, if you're going to at least stay at 500 in the West, which is hard to do, I mean, I, I can't. Knock you for it. You're winning ball games, and I get it. But listen to this real quick. Jaquan Gardner, first three games, averaged 11.7 carries a game, 93.7 yards a game. That's an 8.0 yards per carry average, and averaged one full touchdown a game for the first three games. The last three games, he is averaging 8.7 carries a game, 9.3 yards per game. That is a 1.1 yards per carry average average zero touchdowns in those three games. I don't know what happened to Jaquan Gardner. He fell off a cliff. They are very much trying to push the ball to Terrell Watson, and if that's what's going to work for them, sure. They were 2-1 and one while Gardner was running the ball well. They are 1-2 and two while Gardner's been running the ball not so well. Uh, they have to establish their running game. I don't care how they do it. Sankey's in the mix now. You can, I don't care who you're running the ball with, but if San Diego wants to win and be contenders, they have to continue to run the ball, even with Mike Mart's uh, coach in them.
0: That's definitely right. I don't, I don't think you can really lean on Berkavici to deliver wins and close games like we saw last week. Um, they lose by three points to Birmingham. And number four, I do have Birmingham Iron. I think you probably have them top three, but um, I just need to see that defense get back on track. You know, they win uh, last week against San Diego, who we both aren't completely high on. In terms of uh, the high caliber teams in this league, but um, Luis Perez, I like him. I think he brings more to the table in price. But we we'll have to see if he can stay consistent and uh, kind of um, reclaim that starting quarterback job for the long long haul and the rest of the season. But like I said, I just really want to see that defense get back on track. We saw how dominant they were in the first two weeks, and that was the appeal with this team—the um, ground and pound running game with Trent Richardson, and then that defense would just not allow any points. But they've been allowing a lot of points in the past three weeks or so. So if, if their defense can't get back to how they were, I don't think this is really a team we're, we're looking at as a title threat this season.
1: I agree. So I bet we're going to be the same one, two, three, four here. I also have Birmingham four. Um, and the reason I have them four and not three, which is where I was wanted to put them, to be all honest, it's kind of the quarterback controversy. And as much as it, it's a good thing and you want two players competing for the quarterback When your teammates don't even know who's going to be out there, maybe they know, but when your teammates are just having players kind of switched in and out, and you think it's going to be Price, now you think it's going to be Perez, it just kind of messes with their head. Uh, I like Birmingham a lot. Beating San Diego by three points didn't sell me. Like, uh, you know, like it just didn't sell me. So I I like them as one of the top four team. Um, They're going to be a playoff team. They're a team to be reckoned with. You don't really want to play against them. They're in the top four, but they are number
0: four for me. Number three, my team Arizona Hot Shots big win last week as we talked about. We uh, hit on that a lot in the opening, but um, finally saw that complete game. Just looking at the remaining schedule, they have San Diego twice, who um is currently the number two team in the West. So with wins against both, with and if they win both of those games, I think Arizona pretty much clinches their uh, playoff spot. But then look at the remaining other games: is San Antonio and Birmingham. So those are two tough games as well, on top of those divisional games that they're going to have to be uh, just really on point with, and they can't can't fall behind like they have in weeks three to five when they, when they lost all those three games. But if they can play how they did last week, they're a legitimate title threat there, uh, Arizona Hotshots. I agree. And they jumped
1: right up to three for me. Uh, it's, you, you, look, you, to be the best, you got to beat the best. No one's been able to do that. Well, until Arizona. So just because Arizona had a three-game skid, uh, they're 500. <laughs> Don't count them out. Look, they can beat Orlando, and as of right now, they're the only team that can beat Orlando. They're the only team that has a, a legitimate chance to upset Orlando in the championship because they've proven that they can do it. They know the, they know how to. They, have a lot of, they still have a long way to go. Uh, I'm not buying them to win the West. I still like San Antonio. However, I like Arizona, and right now might be a pretty bad time to be playing them as they're rolling on this high. So I have them number three right now, subject to change coming next week, though
0: number two san antonio commanders they had a huge win last week and i think their defense right now is probably the best in the league they're they're hot Der- deron smith at safety had a pick six last week i think that's his second of the year um devon bowsby who i've been talking bowsby who i've been talking about for a couple weeks now at corner i think he had an interception as well uh joey Ambu up front on the defensive line has been uh, one of the best run defenders in the league and then on offense, they're just so complimentary. Uh, Logan Woodside, he can take control. Kenneth Farrow, he can take control. Mikel McKay, he can take control. They have all these weapons. They all gel so well. And the offensive line has held up really well for San Antonio as well as they've been on this, this strong run.
1: Yeah, I mean, San Antonio is definitely the clear-cut number two right now. Um, they got out of their four-game road, road trip with three wins, right? That's crazy. Like when they started that, we were we said San Antonio just had to at least split it and they would they would still be very good contenders for the championship. They did better than that. Now they get to come home. They get to relax. They get to see their families. They get to like enjoy life at home where they should be staying. But for the past month, they haven't even been able to. So there is no reason why San Antonio isn't the second best team right now. And I cannot wait to see San Antonio versus Orlando at some point. Do we get to see that in the regular season here?
0: For the rest of the we do. Year. We do. We do not.
1: We do not. Well, that means I have to wait to the championship game, and it's gonna be fun. <laughs> um, no, I like San Antonio as my number two. They're great, and like you said. Their offense, it's unbelievable. The way they gel. Their defense has been coming around as of late. It's a fun team. Watch
0: out for them. Definitely lethal. But on that, at one. Of course, we're going to the Apollos. They lose last week. Their first loss of the season, as we talked about in the opening. But they're still a top team, easy, and they have an easy week coming up this week. Um, I think it should be an easy one. I, get, I think they have uh, Memphis this week. No, not Memphis. or Atlanta. I think that'll be an easy game for them just based on how Atlanta played last week against San Antonio. Um, but I, I'm hoping this loss lights a fire in Orlando. And I think that they're just going to come out next week and just be throwing the ball all over the place against Atlanta.
1: Yeah, number one, Orlando. I've said it every week, and I'll continue to say it. I mean, everyone else is just playing for a second best right now. Uh, Orlando's just the clear-cut number one, or Orlando's the clear-cut number one, um, but they sh- they've shown they have an Achilles' heel. They can be beaten. They are not in the Almighty, right? So, so I, I mean, they're number one right now, but all of a sudden they've been humanized. They are now not just this Greek god we're all chasing. They are a team that can be beat by a two-and-three squad. So. I like Orlando. They're my number one. They're playing first, and everyone else is playing for second. But that could change come this week if Atlanta comes to play. At Atlanta, let's not forget. But I agree, number one. Uh, So, yeah, that was uh, the power rankings. And we're going to be jumping on to previewing the very fun week seven we have coming up. Last week, John and I predicted all four games the exact same. We both went three and one. That makes both of our overall record, records 7-5 and five since we've been predicting these games. Now, I promised you last week that we won't have the same uh, same winners this week, so let's hope that we got some different winners coming up uh, this week. But the first game that we'll see, Week 7, which was picked up by TNT a couple weeks ago, so it will be on TNT. Make sure you watch it or record it. Uh, we're going to see Orlando, the 5-1 and one Orlando Apollos, going up against the... 2-4, uh, and four, Atlanta Legends. This game, I said last week, could be a game that Orlando needs to watch out for, a trap game where it could catch Atlanta on, for a good victory. And I'm not changing. I predicted it last week, and I'm saying, well, I didn't predict it, but I said it could be a game that could happen, and I'm going to go on full-on predict it this week. I think Atlanta's loss is going to be more of a jump starter than it will be than Orlando's loss. I think Atlanta got their... Butts reamed in, and that is—they're embarrassed. Aaron Murray is embarrassed. I think they're gonna come out with a vengeance at home against the best team in the league. They're not gonna leave—they're gonna leave it all on the line. They're gonna leave anything at home. So, though it would be crazy to see Orlando drop to five and two and lose two straight games, I'm predicting it here. You heard it first: twenty-three to twenty, Atlanta over Orlando.
0: I definitely like what you said about um, letting a fire under Atlanta more than Orlando because um, they were certainly embarrassed last week. And I, I I definitely agree that Murray doesn't take that lightly. I think he's going to come back this week and do everything in his power to kind of try and lead Atlanta to victory. But it just won't happen. Um, Orlando is just too much, I think, for the legends at this point, even if they are playing on the road. Um, Gilbert, I don't think, like we talked about with Murray, but I don't, I don't think Gilbert will take last week's loss lightly either. You can kind of tell towards the end of that game. He was he was definitely not happy about it. And he was going to come back strong. I think as as a whole, this Orlando team is going to come back this week and kind of just dominate from the from the get go. Um, I think we have some defensive players returning for the Apollos as well, so I'm going to Orlando 28 to nine, and I think Atlanta's offense kind of gets stifled again. But we'll, we'll see. I'm, Obviously, we'll have kind of different different projections going on here, but it'll be fun. I think it definitely has the potential to be a fun game, um, but we'll see how it plays out.
1: I mean, has Atlanta even actually has Atlanta ever scored more than 20 points? Refresh my memory here.
0: I'm not sure maybe um did that Murray, first Murray took over perhaps
1: that's what I was thinking did Murray did Murray get it on his first uh, uh, regardless yeah 23 might be a little bit high for me nine does seem pretty probable uh let's jump to the second game on Saturday the Saturday night game Salt Lake going up against the four and two the two and four Salt Lake Sands going up against the four and two San Antonio commanders on NFL network it's gonna be a good one make sure to record it in case you can't watch it at uh, at the time of it happening, which I believe is 8 o'clock uh, Eastern time. But this is going to be a good game. Salt Lake is a team we both want to see win. Like, we just, we keep saying Salt Lake is, is better than what we than what they show. I promise you. We need Woodrum to come in. I think this game is going to be a huge shootout. We're going to see more points in this game than we've seen maybe in any point, point total of AAF. Uh, I don't remember the exact, uh, the highest that we've seen. But I got this one in a shootout. I do have San Antonio beating Salt Lake 35 to 30. San Antonio over Salt Lake. San Antonio improves to 5 and 2. What
0: do you got, John? Uh, I have a final score here. You have 35 30. I have 25 20 in favor of San Antonio. Uh, I think it'll be a little bit closer than most will think as well. I think uh, Salt Lake, I think they're going to uh, depend on the running game more so this week. Um, we saw that they didn't really do that much last week. They still came away with the win. But I think against a team like San Antonio, you're going to have to implement the running game early, and then hopefully that opens up the passing game for Josh Woodrum and uh, Pearson L and, and his weapons. Um, but I think Woodside and McKay will be pretty on point. Uh, Salt Lake has one of the weaker secondaries in the league. Um, but a, a key for San Antonio in this one, if they can contain Carter Schultz, then they should have, have an easy day through the air. So I think Logan Woodside has a big week, and I think McKay will be a big beneficiary of that as well. But San Antonio 25-20, it'll be closer than people think.
1: I agree. I agree. Uh, So that's going to take us to Sunday. Then we got Sunday. First game on Sunday on CBS Sports Network. San Diego, the pretenders, the non-contenders, going up against the high-riding, cloud-nine-driving Arizona Hotshots. And this should be a fun game. San Diego has shown that they can at least score points and keep up with teams. Arizona... We didn't know what they were all about. They're, they're going to have to play a full, full 60 minutes if they want to win this game as well. They cannot try to pull some fourth quarter comeback heroics as they uh, tend to often do. Now, in this game, it took, me hard, it took me a long time to figure out who I wanted to go with, and it was a hard decision. I ended up going with San Diego over Arizona. Now, the reason I went with San Diego over Arizona, Now these games aren't who I think should win or, or who I think is the better team. This is the prediction that I'm giving. San Diego over Arizona, because San Diego wins those random games you don't think they're going to freaking win. And it's like, what are you doing, San Diego? You just showed me you were a pretender. Berkovich is going to have to come out playing. Jaquan Gardner is probably going to be a no-show either, so they're going to need Watson to come out balling. Arizona is riding high, but I don't want that confidence to be too much of an ego boost for them. And I think it may be. Arizona just got a big win against Orlando and now comes up against the San Diego team at home. They're going to come home. They're going to have a couple adult ginger ales. And I'm just saying, watch out for San Diego to come in and pull up a 26-25 to 25 upset.
2: I love what you said because, yeah, I mean, San Diego really does win those games where it's just random. And you don't think there's really a chance for it to happen. But they pull away and pull out with the win somehow. But um, man, I'll be so mad if they win this game. Just based on how how shots, of course, they got upset about Paul's last week, and then to come home and lose to Fleet, I don't know. I just, that'll just be so demoralizing. I think that might spell the end for um their playoff their playoff hopes. But um, like I said earlier, so Arizona and San Diego, they have two matchups together, and of course this is the, the home game for Arizona. So I think I think they come with a win. I, I do like this game. I think this is going to be the best game of the week, and it's even a shootout potential. Last week we saw San Diego put up a bunch of points against Birmingham, although no losing effort. But um, San Diego has the worst pass defense in the league, so I expect Arizona to get come out early and slow like they did last week and put together that full game like we saw. Um, something 32 to 21 Arizona. I think Wolford has a really big game, and um, I think I think it'll be closer throughout that. At the end Arizona will kind of pull away, and that's where that 11 point differential will come from. So Arizona 32 21.
1: So that's going to bring us to the last game of Week 7, the final game on Sunday. Birmingham-Iron going up against the Memphis Express. This game, I bet we're going to have the same winner. Uh, I wonder what your score is going to be. I got Birmingham blowing them out, 27-10. to There's no way Memphis even keeps close. I like Silvers, but it's just Birmingham's day, and Memphis just blows, as I said earlier.
2: There's yeah, really, really not much to say. Um, I Me and Dale, Mania, we're going to see Johnny at, at any point. I do look forward to seeing Brandon Silvers, although he does have a tough task against Birmingham, assuming they can kind of get back on on uh, that playing level they were to start the season. But um, Birmingham defense should show up this week and come back strong, I think, especially against Memphis, who some of the worst offenses in the league. Um, there's really not much going there for them. Um, as much as I like Silvers and the contributions from Zach Stacey, I just don't see any... I don't see them putting up consistent offensive uh, drives against Birmingham. So I think have Birmingham 23-12.
1: Yep, Birmingham to take it. And that's going to finish up our Week 7 preview. We're going to jump into a little game that we've been playing for the last four weeks here where John has proceeded to whoop my ass similar to San Antonio whooping Atlanta's ass. Don't you dare compare me to Atlanta, even though I would take that comparison over Memphis right now. Uh, Just to refresh anyone or any new listeners or someone who's forgotten uh, how this game works, since week two, week three, I can't remember, uh, we started each picking a player. Once a player has been picked by either John or I, that player can no longer be picked again by either John or I. So the very first week I picked Trent Richards, or I picked Davion Smith, the second week I picked Jaquan Gardner, the third week I picked Zach Stacy. last week I picked Joel Buano. Of those four, only Zach Stacey was scored a touchdown for me, and I sit at one and three. John, week one, the first week we did this, predicted Trent Richardson, that was correct. Rashad Ross in the second week, that was correct. Kenneth Farrow in the third week, that was correct. Charles Johnson in the fourth week, that was correct. So if you're a fantasy player, make sure you pay attention to who John is picking because they're pretty much bound to score a touchdown. But I'm going to start coming in here, and I'm going to get my second win this week. I can promise you it's going to be my boy, Mikel McKay, who's going to score at least a touchdown in this shootout that I have going on against Salt Lake, 35-30, to of 30, 35 points. McKay's got to get one of those touchdowns. gosh damn it he's got to so i'm going with mckay i'm putting my season on the line and i'm trying to get to two and three john who are you taking
2: um, i may not have a perfect bracket for much madness but i've been perfect in this little touchdown game i'm playing so i'll take that but um i'm gonna go trail presley i have a lot of points going down in that arizona um San diego game obviously ross is off the table for us so i think presley's a safe see a pick He uh, really scored last week he's a uh, RB2 last week, so I, I think to, to, like, he'll have a big uh, big part in that win for Arizona. Um, even though we've seen contributions from Stockton and Cook, I still feel like Presley is a go-to. And um, he's been getting a lot of passes out, out of the backfield as well. So I think inside the 10, inside the 5, he'll, he'll see the ball and he find the end zone this week. Yep. As I stay, Presley's
1: 5-0. Oh, spare me. You're going to lose. Uh, but re- Speaking of Rashad Ross, real quick, that poor guy, man, if you watched last week's game, anyone, yeah. anytime he caught the ball, it looked like he broke his spine like he was dead on the ground every single. he still had five catches i believe 10 targets or maybe seven catches 10 targets or something he's a he's a gamer what's the what was the outcome of that though did we what what word do we got on him he's out for
2: next I week then i haven't seen any updates um i know most of the like team reporters will post updates but i know the hot shots that they, their uh team reporter hasn't really been all that active on twitter but um yeah, like you said, he, he was he was in a lot of pain he was still getting up and making he made some key plays there down the stretch for the hot shots and he was clearly not even probably not even like eighty or seventy percent at that time, but not sure what it's looking like. I haven't heard anything, so I'm assuming he does play this week, but that's definitely something
1: to monitor. I agree. I agree, I agree. Uh so those are the touchdown we uh picks of the week. Jarrell Presley over there for John, Mikel McKay for me. We'll uh, update you next week on how that goes. Let's get into fantasy though.
2: So we're going to close the show as we do with our top three projections at quarterback, running back, and wide receiver. So I'll start with with, uh, my number three quarterback, and I have Luis Perez. I know that's probably a little bit surprising, but he had a really good week last week. um, Finished as a top three quarterback, I believe. But um, going up against San Diego, or I'm sorry, Memphis, I think he's going to have his way with that defense. Last week, they uh, were missing Corey Murray and their pass rush did not get going. I don't think they recorded a single sack all game. So, Fred should have time, assuming Varee is out again this week. I haven't seen any updates um, on that. But um, he made some big throws, as I said earlier. He looks like he's kind of coming into his own. Just want to see that, that his decision-making improve a little bit. But he's using his weapons with Amy Washington, that big, big outside weapon, and in the underneath game racks up uh, yards after catch. I do think we see a big lead from Perez, who's going against Memphis, who has of the most uh, most fancy points to opposing quarterbacks this year.
1: Yeah, I once picked Luis Perez in my top three, and he didn't score a touchdown. I'm not doing that ever again, so good luck with that one. For me, I'm going to go with the old faithful, Mr. Garrett Gilbert, who goes up against maybe the best defense against quarterbacks, surprisingly enough. Probably because every team always gets such a big lead on them that they don't have to throw the ball. However, I'm never going to put Garrett Gilbert outside of my top three. I don't have him one or two this week because of the defense, and because of the matchup. So he's going to be my number three.
2: Uh, number two, that's uh, so why I have Garrett Gilbert going up against Atlanta. I think we'll see a bounce back week this week, even though last week he finished as quarterback three. But I have him a little bit high this week. I think he'll rebound in a comfortable win for the Atlanta uh, uh, no Apollos against the Legend. And like we've been saying for weeks, he's
0: matchup-proof. So putting him at QB2 is always a safe pick.
1: I agree. And, John, uh, so let's let the audience know here. Touchdown Player of the Week is not the only thing you are perfect in so far. John is also, what, 6-0 in fantasy football, right or fantasy AAF football right now in our league, as I set 5-1 and one with my only loss to Mr. Valencia, and we have a rematch of the ages, for the ages, this week. So
0: uh, I didn't even notice that you were my opponent this week. Yeah, I, I, I buddy. Yeah. Oh,
1: John's over here. He's, he's looking past his opponents. He's getting ready for the championship. I like it. Um, no. So yeah. So we're playing. So that's why I have to have Josh Woodrum as my quarterback. Number two, he's got to be in my top three, because if I'm going to beat John and his powerhouse fantasy team, I'm going to need Woodrum to have a hell of a day. So, Josh Woodrum goes against San Antonio. San Antonio's pass defense came to play against Murray last week, but this game will be different, and it will be a shootout, as I said. Putting up 30 points against San Antonio is no easy feat, and Josh Woodrum will do that. Josh Woodrum is averaging 42.5 passing attempts per game over the last two games, so the volume's there. The the production may not be. He's got four touchdowns and four interceptions over his last four games. So it, it's pretty basic stats from the uh, volume that he's been having. But I'm not worried. I think Woodrum comes out and balls out, throws three touchdowns, and I love him as my quarterback
0: number two. How did I know you're going to have Woodrum in your top three? Um, but at, at number one, I'm going to go with my boy, John Wolford. I'm going to get, against San Diego. We saw what Luis Perez did then last week. Absolutely carved him up. Um, in the passing game through the air. This week, I think Wolford has similar success. I have a lot of points going down in this game, of course. I have Arizona scoring 32. So um, Wolford, he's good for I think he's going to go over 300 passing yards, um, maybe a couple touchdowns and make an impact with his legs as well. Um, big week for John Wolford as he kind of gets back. Because uh, those first couple weeks, we thought he was going to bid for MVP against Garrett Gilbert. So I kind of see him getting back into that, that form um, this week against San Diego.
1: And it, for my quarterback one, Mr. Logan Woodside. I'm sticking with the shootout game. This game's gonna be a shootout. It's not gonna be a shootout on the ground. I promise you that. It's gonna be through the air. I got Mikel McKay being my touchdown pick of the week. So you know, he's gonna have to have someone throw him the ball. and That's gonna be Mr. Logan Woodside. Now Salt Lake has allowed the sixth most passing yards this year, and they are tied with Memphis for allowing the most passing touchdowns allowed this year. I do like Logan Woodside to come out balling as, long, uh, as well as Josh Woodrum in this game. We're going to see a lot of passing attempts. It's going to be a fun game to watch for any football fan out there who loves offense. So I got Woodside one, Woodrum two, Gilbert three.
0: All right, moving on to running backs. Number three, I have Jarrell Presley, my touchdown pick of the week. Um, RB2 last week, so I think he'll still have a, This will be up in that top three range. Um, leads the league in, in uh, rushing yards. Um, obviously, he surpassed Jepon Gardner in, in this past week. Um, Even though Gardner hasn't been productive, he still was was leaving the pack in rushing yards, but he's, of course, fallen off. But I do expect a heavy dose of Presley in this game, even though I think Welford's going to go off and have a really big day. I also think Presley's going to have at least 15 carries on the ground and maybe add in uh, three or four uh, receptions, which obviously bodes his fantasy production. But Presley against San Diego I have as a top three running back this week.
1: So just a quick little fact, when Presley and Cook both play in a game, and Presley outrushes Tim Cook in rushing attempts, the Arizona hotshots are one and two. So I'm liking Tim Cook this week. Come through with another... He's, I mean, I'm not saying Presley won't have 15 carries, because God knows he will. Tim Cook will, too. I almost picked Tim Cook as my touchdown pick of the week, just to spite your Presley pick, but I didn't. I went with McKay. Uh, regardless, for me, number three, I went a little different. And I put so much stock in a Jaquan Gardner this year, And it just hasn't worked out for the last three games. I'm flipping it, and I'm jumping to the Troll Watson bandwagon. Put me on the bandwagon, baby, because I love me some Watson. Motherfucker is not doing much, but he's getting the volume. San Diego faces an Arizona defense that is not very good. They've allowed the second-most rushing touchdowns this year and the third-most rushing yards this year. Gardner is straight up out of the mix, at this point, and it seems as if the fleet are trying whatever they can do to push the ball to Watson, as I said earlier in the show. So, if he's going to get the volume, and he's the only producing running back that they have, let me have him as my number three, and let's do a little shake-up in the top three running backs.
0: I like it, I like it. Um, number two, I'm going to stick with a guy I had in the top three last week, but disappointed. Of course, he disappointed Nick as he was his touchdown pick. But Joel Buonio against San Antonio, I think they're going to um, kind of lean on the running game more. I know you have the passing game making a big impact, but I think they're going to feed Bueno, You know, they don't have Oliver, so he's going to be getting the volume. Only six fantasy points last week, but uh, I really like him as a player. And I think even if he doesn't produce in yardage, he's going to be their goal line guy. So I see him scoring this week just despite Nick.
1: <laughs> Dude, I've, I've, it's going to happen, too. But he is on my fantasy team, so if he does score, he beats you. So, you know, it's a catch-22. Um, I, ha- I love Joel Buano, and I wanted to put him in my number three, but I wanted to kind of mix up, and that's why I went with Watson. But Buano is the only guy there. Though, that's why I, I do kind of predict that game to be more of a passing game than I'd see Buano probably getting 12 carries, 60 yards, and probably not a touchdown, similar to what he had last week. Uh, so I left him out for my number two, though. Another different pick, someone we don't talk about all the time, But I like him this week. Davion Smith, right, for the Apollos. Now, the Legends defense have allowed a league-leading 10 rushing touchdowns this year. Smith matched the Ernest Johnson's nine carries last week, finishing with just four less yards. He'll get double-digit carries this week. He's going to find the end zone from a a goal-line carry, and that's pretty much all you need. If he can get 11 carries, produce 60 yards, and grab me a touchdown... That's going to be in the top three, top four, top five. And I think he can do a little bit more in the passing game if he can catch a couple balls. So give me Davion Smith is my number two.
0: I like it. With Orlando, it's just so hard to gauge these running backs week week. Sure you know, it's going to be Dearness. It's going to be Davion. But I do like it. A little bold. I, I definitely got to spice my picks up a little bit next week. Um, but with that being said, number one, uh, Trevor Richardson. Just give me all his he rich specials. Give me all those two-yard touchdowns. Um, I think he'll, he'll score at least twice this week. And Birmingham should hold control of the game throughout, so I think he's going to be a big factor in uh, just uh, running that clock down in the second half. And he should see a a good amount of carries. I I wouldn't even be surprised if he reached 20 carries on the ground with another five catches or so, because he's been a really big. He's making a really big impact in the passing game, which is not something I think a lot of us expected to see. But he's been uh, one of their leading pass reception or one of their leading pass catchers all season. And then going up against Memphis, who's number two against. they allowed the, the second-most fantasy points against running back. It's just a matchup made in heaven for T. Rich this week. It truly is. He
1: is also my number one. I'm mean, try to think of some stuff to say that you basically hadn't. Basically, like, as you said, I want the chef special. And the chef special is the Trent Richardson two-yard touchdowns. I want three of them this week. I want three specials. I'm hungry. Trent's hungry. Let's fucking eat. Trent Richardson for three touchdowns. Look, he almost averaged three yards. A carry last week. He averaged wow. 2.9, dude. So close, man. So he's always, close. I
0: think he's always at like 2.9. Like he's, he's never at three, just always 2.9. Just, just can't quite get there. No,
1: he can't. But earlier in the season, he was averaging 2.3. Now he's averaging 2.9. The offensive line is getting a little bit better. Uh, The mm. team's getting better. The passing game's getting better. All of that's going to open up more holes for Trent Richardson. Three touchdowns is a bold prediction, but I truly, truly think that he can get three touchdowns. Especially since he's on my fantasy team against John, so I need him to get three touchdowns.
0: Sure do. <laughs> Moving on to receivers, um, kind of cliche with these. It's just hard to pick against some of these guys when they're when they're just studs and producing each week. It's hard to kind of um, break the mold. But number three, Charles Johnson. He's the leading uh, leading reception yards in the AAF. The go-to guy, obviously, in that Orlando offense. And even when other guys like Jalen Marshall or Rennell Hall are are making an impact, Charles Johnson is still right there um, catching more passes than than them. So he's always going to have a big spot in that offense. Of course, Orlando, I think they're going to put up a lot of points this week against Atlanta. So Johnson, he should have probably close to 70 catches, maybe break 100 yards. And I think he might find the end zone again this week as well.
1: It is very hard to, like, not just want to go with Ross McKay and Johnson every single week. Um, I left Johnson out this week specifically because I like to throw a wrench into uh, other people's plans. I also, like, Atlanta does have a very good pass defense. They have a very good pass defense. So if, they, if they're smart, they're going to they're gonna double up Charles, and they're going to make Hall and Marshall beat him. So in my in my opinion, I'm not saying like Gilbert's still gonna be a top three quarterback, but I think he's gonna spread the ball around a little bit more. Obviously, the volume is always there week after week with Charles Johnson. I just boldly am predicting Johnson to not get his usual 10 targets, have it be reduced to six, end up with three or four receptions, 50 plus yards, 60. I mean, he's gonna be a top five wide receiver, top ten wide receiver. I'm just leaving him on my top three to be a little different. This week I'm gonna go with someone who is averaging 47 yards a game over the last three weeks, has yet to score a touchdown this entire season, and is being outproduced by both of his tight ends on his team. It's Adonis Jennings. Though Woodrum might not want to go to his wide receivers, and though he, much, he very much loves his tight ends, this is going to be a shootout, and it's good to be a wide receiver in a shootout. Give me Adonis Jennings for a sneaky number three wide receiver.
0: All right, he made a big play last week, if I recall correctly, too. He definitely seems to be getting a little bit more involved in that passing game. Agreed. At um, the start of the year, he just he had, I think, made some catches in week one, and then after that, he just fell off and wasn't producing at all. But, yeah, it's, it's good to see him kind of get back into it in the past couple weeks. At number two, Nick already kind of, kind of gave these my next two away, but Mikel McKay, he's your boy this week, and I, I definitely agree with that. Um, Salt Lake's given up the second most fantasy points to opposing receivers, and I think we'll see a lot of big plays through the air this week for the Commanders. And McKay, I think he'll see it. Like you said, I hope he doesn't score a touchdown for your sake. But overall, just for fantasy's sake, I, I do think he finds the end zone as well. And coming um, off another big week last week, he's just really putting it together and playing consistent all these last three or four weeks for the commanders.
1: I agree. Uh, just to quickly jump back real quick to Adonis Jennings, 29 yards through the first three weeks total and 140-plus yards in the last three weeks. So he definitely picked his game up. Uh, number two, I'm right there with you, McKell- McKay. Number two, I mean – Again, being the star-wide receiver in a shootout is never a bad thing. McKay will eat against the Salt Lake defense, who is allowing the second-most fantasy points to receivers, the second-most air yards to opposing receivers, the third-most receiving yards to receivers, the third-most receiving touchdowns to receivers. I mean, their defense isn't good. That's why I'm predicting a shootout in this game. Uh, Mikhail McKay will get his fair share I can't predict it, but it'll be a lot. Mikel McKay, number two, with you.
0: If you had a guess um, on San Antonio, obviously Michael McKay is number one. But um, who of the receivers do you think would have the second most fantasy points this, I mean, this week? Anybody? Anybody? Because obviously Alonzo Moore, Demarcus Ayers, Greg Ward, but no one, none of those number twos really just seem to emerge as a as a as a go to for fantasy. You know, like they're all just evenly stacked.
1: Yeah, it it, seems it, like. it, it agreed, and and it seems like every week. One of those three breaks out, you know, you you can't really predict it. However, the question was, outside of Mikel McKay, who's going to be the best fantasy guy this week? Right? Is that what you asked? That's correct, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to have to say Greg Ward. On a gut instinct, he he gets more targets than the other two, than Moore or Ayers every week, it seems like. So just given volume purposes, I'm going to go with Greg Ward being the top two uh, or number two wide receiver for San Antonio. But watch out for Cam Clear. Not not a receiver, but a receiving option that will t- uh, eat into targets and
0: volume. I agree. I like, that. I like that you gave Cam Clear a shout-out because, yeah, he's, he's been catching passes the past couple of weeks. I like Evan Rodriguez. They're uh... – Starting tight end, but Clear seems to have been making more of an impact. Rodriguez had a touchdown, I think, last week or the week before that. But other than that, I would say Clear has more fantasy production in the past two weeks or so. I would have to check back on that. But um going back to receiver number one, Rashad Ross. Um, assuming he's 100% this week, I mean, even if he's not 100%, he's probably still the best wide receiver in the league, I would say. Um, San Diego getting up the most fantasy points to opposing receivers. Um, So Ross, he's probably going to be good for a touchdown. And he just has the potential to take over that game. Like I said, I have Wolford number one quarterback this week. So that connection, uh, Wolford-Ross connection is going to be really strong. Ross going for 100 yards with a touchdown at
1: least. Easy. So for me, like to piggyback off of what you said, San Diego, like you said, is allowing the most uh, points to – or fantasy points to opposing receivers. They're allowing 37-plus points a game to receivers, which in comparison is 12 more points a game – then Atlanta is giving up to receivers, which is why I say be careful of Charles Johnson. But it's easy. Rashad Ross, if he plays. However, if he doesn't play, I'm, and I'm not going to keep going on about Rashad Ross. He's the best wide receiver in the AAF. If you don't know him, get to know him. He's going to be good. Um, but if he doesn't play, that's not even going to change my wide receivers one, two, three. If he doesn't play, all I'm doing is substituting in Mr. Richard Mullaney, I believe is how you right. pronounce his name. And if, if Rashad Ross doesn't go, like, they're still going to be throwing the ball. I can promise you that. And it's going to be Mullaney who eats. So I like Ross as my number one. But if he doesn't play quickly, pay attention. And maybe even get him as a as a handcuff on your fantasy team. Get Mullaney and start him in place of Ross if he doesn't go. But, yeah, that's it, huh? That's the show. That's it. Oh, man, that was good. We flew yeah. through it. I liked it. We have some fantasy uh, top players for you. If you were listening, make sure you get those in your starting roster. Why don't you go ahead and predict the games along with us. Send us some comments about what you think is going to go down. Play the touchdown game with us. Send us your power rankings. We'd love to talk about it. We'd love to see fans' thoughts on the topics we talk about like a, like earlier in the show, we talked about Johnny Manziel. We talked about Dallas picking up the championship, and we talked about Apollo's losing. Send us your thoughts. What do you got to say about that? We're interested. We're curious. We love talking about it. You can always hit us up on Twitter at Nick Faber NFL at John Valencia BF. Follow us on SoundCloud. Follow us on iTunes. Listen, rate, review, follow. Whatever you got to do to make sure you're updated when we send out new shows and that we know you're listening, and if you have any questions, make sure you let us know.
0: John, any closing statements from you? I'm, w- I'm with you, Nick. Um, to those listening, we're just looking for the for feedback, conversation. I mean, we're, we're two of the biggest AAF fans, I would like to think, and um, we're just looking for more people to interact with. There's, there's just not enough people that have joined the alliance yet, but if you have, um, we're always down for, for a good talk about the AF or fantasy or whatever or whatever's on your mind. Yeah, whatever, watch- man. We can talk. As as yeah exactly
1: exactly <laughs> we can talk ncaa march madness we can talk condiments we can talk uh we can talk it all man we got it guy over here yeah <laughs> i do for the condiments that's right man that's right food is just a, a spoon for me to put condiments in my mouth um all right uh let's call this one a show before we start talking about ketchup and mustard over here thank you all for listening we appreciate you have a great one Still here.